This is the CHGO Cubs podcast presented by PointsBet. Use code CHGO when you sign up to get two risk-free bets up to $2,000. Hello, everyone. My name is Corey. I am joined, as always, by Brendan, and we are coming to you on Sunday, August 14th. The Cubs and Reds finishing up a three-game series that took place over the course of four days with two of the games in Cincinnati, Brendan, and of course, one of them in Mm. Dyersville, Iowa on Thursday. Yeah, that was fun. Uh, I think the best part about that series or that game, Corey, was uh, the Harry Carey hologram. Am I right? Uh, Right. (laughs) It depends what you mean by best. Um, It was definitely interesting. How about the most memorable, perhaps? Yeah, just not, not good. Just not very good. weird and not great. I think one of the executives said afterward that it was augmented reality, not a yeah. not a hologram. I don't care what it was. Just don't do it again. Yeah. Well, it was like everything else was pretty fun, though, I will say. I, mm-hmm. I enjoyed the game more than I thought I would. Uh, there is a heavy nostalgic factor there. And yeah. I know people kind of cr- maybe criticize for really over extracting that nostalgia. But I like it, dude. I thought it was really fun. Yeah, I, I I thought it was good. I, I was in the CHGO studios with Luke and Cody for that game. I know our guy Ryan Herrera was in Iowa for that game. And it was definitely an enjoyable evening of baseball. And, mm-hmm. you know, especially in a season like this, I think for everybody to kind of have a unique experience like that to look forward to and be able to enjoy. I think that was nice. So, yeah. uh, and I yeah. like this, I like the simplicity of that. I think that's why I enjoyed it. You know, I always say this, right? Like I go, I go into AFL games, the spring training games, there's a level of simplicity mm-hmm. with baseball. And in Iowa, in that game, you get that, right? You get fewer fans, you get the corn in the background, the lighting's all on the field, all on right. the players. It really emphasizes like the actual game, which if you go to these big new ballparks, sometimes I feel as if it takes away from that game. If that Absolutely, makes sense. yeah. When we, in, I think in the YouTube chat and the post game on Thursday, um, our guy Kevin Kaduck was in there saying that one of the things he really likes about this is the stadium and the whole presentation right. feels geared toward what's happening on the field, right? It's about like the that. setting and and the backdrop and, and the history of it all as well, but it, it just feels very centered on the baseball game being mm-hmm. played, which, as you said, is something that a lot of these modern stadiums lack and, um, you know, we're kind of designed to almost distract us from, right? You're right. So, exactly. yeah. It was uh it was a nice experience and then the Cubs and Reds have an off day on Friday and two more games this weekend the Cubs picking up one the Reds picking up the other uh but that you know with the win on Saturday Brendan the Cubs have won a few series in a row here they've been playing some decent baseball lately uh what that's yeah. good for uh, you know pride I suppose, uh, yeah, development for the players, uh, you know, I guess it's better for them to learn in a winning, winning quote unquote, you know, for like a week and a half environment. Right. Uh, but it's, you know, better for us fans, I think. So we do have three games to break down. We have plenty to talk about, uh, as, as has been the case, you know, we've got new guys trying to step up in the bullpens, potential roster moves coming and a continued evaluation on all things, future oriented right so let's just jump through these uh box scores right quick and set the table of course on thursday at the field of dreams game it was a four to two cubs win five innings of strong work for drew smiley four hits no runs two walks and nine strikeouts 3.69 era on the season for drew smiley uh you know as we talked about a lot probably someone that somebody should have taken uh for depth at the trade deadline but perhaps the cubs value those innings going forward here in the last two months and didn't see fit to trade him for you know some kind of lottery ticket prospect or something like that uh the cubs got their runs in that game on a say a suzuki double a nico horner single an ian happ double and an nick madrigal rbi single on Saturday, it was a 7-2 Cubs win behind Adrian Sampson. Just four innings for Adrian with 87 pitches. It's not the most efficient outing, of course. 
Six hits, two earned, three walks, and six strikeouts. Not the best outing for Samson, but, you know, another decent, I guess, mm-hmm. start, if not a long one. Uh, 3.88 ERA for Samson on the year. So he has provided some very useful and quality innings for the Cubs this season. The Cubs getting their seven runs. Bria Franmil Reyes' first home run as a Cub, his 10th of the season overall. Ian Happ with an RBI single. Ian Happ also hit his 10th home run of the season. That was of the three-run variety, and Wilson Contreras with his 17th. On Sunday, it was an 8-5 to loss, and I will tell you, Brendan, the Cubs deserved to lose the game on Sunday. Okay. I don't care what else happened, but they walked Albert Almora twice. You're right. You deserve to lose. Sorry, guys. Yeah. Um, when you put it like that, of course. I, you, you just, you, you tempted fate. You deserve it at that point. Yeah. Keegan Thompson, uh, not a good outing here. One and two-thirds, two hits, four runs, three walks, two strikeouts. He gives up one home run, 70 pitches in those one and two-thirds. So when we hop out of this quick recap here, we're going to talk a little bit about Keegan, the rest of the season, um, you know, innings limits, things like that, and just kind of put this all into perspective. The Cubs getting their runs in this game. Patrick Wisdom, his 21st homer of the year. Jan Gomes, his sixth. Christopher Morell goes back-to-back on the next pitch, his 11th in the fourth inning. And that would be all of the runs the Cubs would get. It was all Reds from there. Cubs did lead this game, but they did not win it. So that's pretty much uh, the gist of the series here, Brendan. Um... One thing I will say that jumps out before I guess we get into Keegan, this is a known commodity, right? Because he went to college there. We hear it a million times when they play the Reds. Uh, But Ian Happ really (laughs) likes hitting in that ballpark. Yeah, another home run. Look at that, Corey. Never leaves Cincinnati without a home run. Doing some damage, yes. Uh, And there was an, an interesting tweet coming into the game on Sunday. So this, this you know, date span going back to Saturday the 13th, uh, but from Brad at Ball, S-K-W-O-K. I never know how to pronounce it, but Brad's a great follow, especially on the minor leagues. And he went and looked at the, the year span from August 13th of 2021, kind of right around when Hap got really hot at the end of last year, post-trade deadline. That's good for 153 games, 629 total player plate appearances in that year-long span, 24 homers, 90 RBIs, a 10% K uh, walk rate, 24% K rate, good for a 137 WRC+, 374 WOBA, and just about five wins above replacement in near-ish a full-season sample for Ian Happ. So that's really good, Brendan. Really good. With Ian, the conversation that we had around the trade deadline about, you know, maybe it made sense to have explored deals for him was always in the context of what you could get back for 2023. How do you boost your chances of winning in 2023? And if trading Ian in July helped that, then I think, at least my thinking was they need to seriously explore that. That's passed. Now, the value of Ian on the trade market for this offseason, you have to imagine, is significantly less. So the thinking for, for me now is you should keep Ian for next season. $10 million expected in arbitration, maybe a little bit more, maybe a little bit less, but you're around that area. And the off-field market is rather volatile. There's a few interesting names out there, but I would expect no one that's going to give you dramatically more confidence uh, within Ian's um, you know, expected payroll for 2023. Yeah. So at this point, you know, you run it back out there. You see, hopefully, that you can put together a competitive roster for 2023, and you try to win the division, Corey, and see where it goes from there. If if he succeeds, of course, that's going to be huge for this team, but I I accept the risk of going and having him out there for 550, 600 plate appearances for 2023 and try to uh, contribute to a competitive team. Yeah, I I tend to agree. I mean, you know, where you think Hap falls exactly 
in terms of his overall production and things like that is up to you to decide but I think he's obviously been quite good for a very significant stretch now and I think you put it really well like I just think the the dollars per production I think is going to be difficult to find elsewhere right and just with where this team is and kind of wondering about how much money they're going to have to spend some of the decisions they have to make on the 40-man roster are any of these you know young guys that we've been talking about at double and triple a going to get an opportunity at the beginning of the season mid-season etc there's a lot of questions to answer uh I think if you trade guys like Hap you just make things a lot more difficult, right? Is he a linchpin type guy to their success or failure? You know, maybe not, but if you're not sure how much money is going to be available, hopefully it's a lot. It should be a lot. Uh, Getting rid of productive players you you have to replace that then. And it just seems that the path of least resistance seems to be keeping Hap, Maybe you're not sure exactly what you're expecting of him, but as we've noted many times, he's never been a below-league average hitter. He's had a couple seasons where it was, you know, just barely above in varying amounts of playing time and stuff like that, but he's always produced, for the Mm -hmm. most part, on the offensive level. An interesting stat uh, from, you know, that he reaches with this series, he is the only Cubs hitter to hit 10-plus homers in each of his first six seasons. Yeah. How about it's that? impressive. It's impressive. I mean, that's a, you know, and there's a lot of different reasons that guys who end up hitting more home runs than him didn't do that specifically mm-hmm. in each of their first six seasons. But still, yeah. you know, first six seasons with the Cub, the only guy with 10 plus homers. So yeah, I think that's, that's the way to go. And, you know, again, just a lot of credit to him for the adjustments that he's made and the success that he's had from both sides of the plate. And, uh, you know, I think improving at least a little bit on defense, right? He's he's not the best defender, but I think he has made some improvements there. Yeah, I think so too. I mean, the, just to look at where the Cubs expected budget flexibility is right now, according to, to Cott's contracts, and this is subject to change when you reevaluate arbitration, numbers but for 2023 going into the off season the current projected 40-man payroll when you factor in player benefits all of that is around 107 million committed so in theory they have about 125 million dollars in payroll flexibility Corey. now if you commit to HAP, which they're going to 10 million dollars you solidify at least one spot in your lineup for 75% of the time, right? That's huge. Now you can take that money and you can hopefully go elsewhere and improve. Maybe they want to improve their infield. Maybe they want to use that money to sign Xander Bogarts. Maybe they want to commit longer term to a different player. Now they have the flexibility to do that and maybe eat a little bit more money up front by spending, let's say, on like a Marcus Stroman-esque contract, but you're able to shovel over those years for multiple years after 2023 and, and compete. So it, I think it does have a lot of benefit to keeping half just from that aspect. And then even in the outfield position, right? My thinking was during the trade deadline, well, if you trade half, you get back some interesting guys for 2023. You can go out there and try to supplement the roster in free agency. There's still a risk in that. Uh, the names on the market, Andrew Benintendi, uh, you know, if you want to go even a little bit lower, who have had success within the past two, three years, uh, Corey Dickerson, although he's getting older, uh, Robbie Grossman, Andrew McCutcheon, Jock Peterson, David Peralta, those are the names you're picking from. And there's a lot of risk with those names uh, compared to what the risk would be by just bringing back Hap and assuming you won't be able to get that much value in the trade market. So that's where that's where I'm at. I'm fine with it. I feel comfortable with it. And this kind of nice mentally to at least know you have one position solidified. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and I guess if they want to go, you know, play in the big pool with someone like Aaron Judge, if he doesn't get extended. I'm just assuming it's not going to happen. Yeah, if he doesn't get extended <laughs> by New York, that, you know, right. that would be uh, one of the big time free agents you could pursue. Uh, you right. know, look, if you end up in an outfield crunch, so what? 
right? right. You can figure it out. You can move guys in the offseason if you have to, but I think, yeah, the, the plan should be to uh, continue on with Ian Happ unless you have some larger, better plan because he has been quite good for uh, yeah. yes. over a year now, which is definitely not an insignificant sample. Uh, I want to talk a little bit about Keegan, but not necessarily in the context of you know what we've done before. We've, we've delved into him a lot, his pitch mix, his repertoire, the adjustments that he's made. I want to talk specifically about kind of what we saw on Sunday a little bit and, you know, just your perspective on that, Brendan. Um, firstly, I think it's it's worth pointing out um, that he's been very good this season. His numbers overall are very good. And you have to keep that in the context of being a guy who came into the season in the bullpen, was doing short stints, uh, you know, out of the bullpen, and then was moved and stretched out and turned into a starter, learning new pitches in the middle of the season. So it's not exactly a a clean road for him here. Um, But something I think worth keeping an eye on is that he is on the MLB season so far total between starting and relieving. He is at 102 thirds innings pitched. In his career, the only time he has pitched more than that in a single season was in 2018 when he started 25 games for 129 and two-thirds innings over the course of a couple minor league teams, uh, you know, getting promoted. So around that, Brendan, in 2017, he threw 19 innings, 2019, 10 innings in the minors, 2021, 14 and two-thirds innings in the minors, and then he also threw 53 and a third at the major league level. So this is the longest stretch at the major league level, the most innings. It's not the most starts or the most innings in his career, but it's been almost four years since he did that. So I think to me, when I see an outing like Sunday and he's throwing a ton of pitches, command isn't there. We've seen some outings recently, even when the results have been better, more hard contact. I just kind of think that's to be expected in this process. And I don't really think too much of it. Do you have a similar perspective or or what do you make when... Do you, is he running out of gas towards the end of the year? Like, or is this just, you know, it's, Hey, it's a bad outing. So what he'll, he'll go, you know, kick butt next time. I I feel when I go on Twitter and I read about people's opinions on Keegan, I I don't know what your sense is, Corey, but my sense is there's this wide variety of expectations from fan to fan. Some fans think he's a middle of the order rotation guy, which is optimistic and great. Some fans think he's more so towards the back end of the rotation, uh, four or five starter. Some fans, which represent the, the minority of Cub fans, think he's ultimately destined for a reliever role. That's a very small fraction. But you get these very different expectations. Where I kind of see Keegan is towards the back end of the rotation, which has been a boost from our expectations back in May of maybe him just being a multiple any reliever guy. So this has been boosted since May. It's been boosted because he has five pitch types and he uses those five pitch types regularly and he's having success with those five pitch types. The way that I kind of see Keegan getting to that next step is improving how many whiffs he can generate. His contact rate is below, I'm sorry, his whiff rate is below league average. It's around 20%. So the major league average is around 23% going to have to improve that whiff rate because those guys who survive with inducing that much contact have exceptional command. Throughout the season, Keegan's shown exceptional command. Recently, he has not, right? So now the question is, why is he not showing that exceptional command that we saw six to eight weeks ago? Is it just natural that that's happening in a larger sample, as you said, Corey, or is this him running out of gas? I don't think it's him running out of gas. The velocity is still there. Um, you know, at times he's still showing 
briefly exceptional command. I don't really think it's that. I think this is just kind of who he is right now. And he's gone through so many different iterations from changing the tempo of his pitching to the types of pitches he's throwing to going from the bullpen to the rotation. A lot has happened, right? Yeah. So I don't see it as him running out of gas. For for me, I need to see him get through September with a full season. Like I need to have that confidence that he can do that. That way you can slot him in as a, as a significant innings contributor for next season. And in my mind, he already is. Like He already yeah. is oh, yeah. a back end of the rotation guy going into spring training next year. And at worst case scenario, he's a multiple inning reliever guy, but that's like worst case scenario. So that's my expectation. And I think that's great. I think that's really valuable. Now, some fans who want him to be that number three starter, they may be disappointed when, when you hear expectations of him being a back-end starter. That that might be disappointing. I understand that. But I think there's a lot of value in a pre-arbitration back-end starter with potential to be much better. And that was not in Keegan's projection three months ago. So that is very significant to me. And what he's been doing and struggling recently is not changing that. Right. And I, I, you know, I think he has the ability to go above that as well. You know, right, even exactly. being a, a back end guy, like as we pointed out, like you, you really do have to appreciate the full picture of the the roles that he's taken on uh, for this team in the times that he's been called up. Obviously, you know, he also did some, uh, you know, long relief last year for the Cubs, then coming in this year, not starting, moved to starting as we've said, you know, adding pitches in the middle of the year, like figuring out exactly how to do this in the middle of getting stretched out from being a long reliever, right? right? Like that is really not easy. So I think, you know, for him, it's going to be interesting to see how both he and Steele finish this season in terms of, you know, do the Cubs just let them go every fifth day and, you know, they blow past, you know, their their innings marks and just see what these guys have in the tank? Do they maybe, you know, push them back a day or two every now and again, maybe when Wade Miley is back and, you know, you have Drew Smiley, of course, Samson's been doing well, um, how exactly they handle that. But I, I think, Keegan definitely has shown the ability to make these adjustments, accept different roles. And I think it's very possible that he's able to take, you know, continued jumps. Uh, But they're going to, yeah, as we've said, look at this whole body of work this year and put together a, a plan and look at how his pitches are moving and sequencing and all of that. And it'll be fascinating to see where he's slotted in uh, next year. To me, I think if you're building out a, a rotation and you do in the offseason go out and get at least one kind of top of the rotation guy to go along with Marcus Stroman, who hopefully continues uh, how he's been pitching lately to finish this 2022 season, I think if you're able to pencil Steele and Thompson, let's say as your four or five in whatever order you prefer, right? that's really exciting to me because both of those guys would represent, like, I wouldn't be surprised by the end of the year for both of them or at least one of them to have much surpassed that expectation, right? As you go through 2023, right? I think so. That's, That's the best case scenario, right? And I don't think it's an outlandish scenario either, given how both those guys have progressed significantly throughout the past two months here. So the way Keegan's projected for the rest of the season is he's going to get five more starts. That's how he's kind of lined up right now. And that should equate to around 25 to 30 innings realistically. He's on pace to finish the season with around 125 to 130 innings. That is a huge improvement, Corey. If he can hit that mark, then I think most fans should be ecstatic about that. It gives the Cubs kind of like the same conversation with, with Ian Happ and that $10 million somewhat cheap commitment you know it gives the cup so much more flexibility to use money elsewhere to improve the team immediately if you have confidence that you can eat up innings in that fourth or fifth rotation spot which again i think that's the likely outcome at this point so it's still it's still encouraging but there's still a lot more season left even though it does feel as if it's shortening up here yeah well and and so is there is there something in particular or would it is this a longer topic i suppose that would immediately jump out at you 
as here's kind of what you need to be able to do from now until maybe spring training next year that would really start to elevate the whiffs that you said was kind of that next step in Keegan's game? The the one pitch that equates to the highest chance of whiffs is slider. Like that's the that's the best pitch to generate the most whiffs of all pitch types. Curveballs generate around 12% whiffs. Uh, sliders are 16%. Keegan's made his career up until this point throwing four seams cutters and curves right so in a perfect world he would use a slider as his dominant secondary pitch it's not quite there yet he's using it as his like third or fourth pitch Mm -hmm. um that would be hopefully what happens between now and next spring training he's developed that pitch so quickly i would not be surprised if that is ultimately what happens him using that pitch as his dominant secondary pitch uh now, if he doesn't do that, then I still think you can have success with what he's been doing, but you just have a little margin for error in your command. So whatever it takes to, to, to stabilize that command, they've messed with his tempo to do that this year. He has like a much faster delivery than he had back in April and May. I still think he can be successful that way. So it's either you really tighten up your command somehow, which seems more difficult, or you keep boosting that slider to induce more whiffs that to me seems like the easier solution to that Um, yeah and I, i i'm i'm excited about that because i think even when you talk about the slider like that was a pitch that he started throwing in the middle of this season Yeah, man. right so yeah. if that has the potential to really elevate his ability to generate whiffs and get that strike up out total higher like it it may it it clearly is not a pitch that he is completely comfortable right, right. relying on and commanding and things like that which like yeah he's been throwing it for what when did you write that article uh, 2 months like, ago well, like, yeah like, like it, not even right yeah so yeah. like that seems like he has so much time to really get more comfortable with that work with the cubs infrastructure to make that a more comfortable part of his repertoire in terms of his feel for it the sequencing of it and and all that stuff and yeah I so I think it's it's very exciting when you have a homegrown pitcher who has played so many different roles and you know in the minors you know only has one year where he's got like a full long season's worth of starts comes up making adjustments and you know even after a not so great outing on Sunday he's got a 3.6 ERA right it's great yeah and that's where like the variable expectations come from because like that's amazing man if you told us going into this year that he'd have a sub four ERA in August with this many starts we'd be like what how how did that happen so it is encouraging and this one last note and then we'll move on to the, the the ad break here from our sponsors the stuff with Keegan, as you alluded to, in the command stuff, the slider is new. The slider rates from a stuff perspective, just the way it moves, the velocity, all of that, it rates when you combine all that together better than league average by about you know 70% of pitchers. That's incredible, dude. To already have a slider that rates better than your peers and you just developed that, incredible. Now, the problem with that slider right now is he pulls that pitch a lot he's kind of like spiking that pitch down and towards the left-handers batter's box and as a result the command score on that is in the lower 20th percentile of the league so that's where you hope you can improve that efficiency you can command that slider with greater frequency you grow comfort in that pitch and naturally once that happens the whiffs should come and i think there's a good chance that does happen that's the best case scenario uh, for Keegan right there. Okay. So quick break here from our sponsor points, but the best way to support CHGO is to download the points, app and use code CHGO when you sign up. If you do that right now, you will get two risk-free bets up to $2,000, but that's not it. If you make a $50 or more first time deposit, you will receive a free CHGO membership, which unlocks all of our web content. And you'll even get a free shirt of your choice from the CHGO locker. That's $2,000 in free bets, a free CHGO membership, and a free t-shirt from the CHGO Locker, all for making more than a $50 first-time deposit at 
PointsBet. If you have any questions, you can email pointsbet at allchgo.com and we'll help you out. Your home for live in-play betting just got even better. Seeing Edge in the game you're watching is your favorite team prime for a comeback. Don't just watch the game. Bet along with it live. More live betting, more live markets, and faster live cash outs. Follow along with your bets the moment they hit and stay in the live action all game long. Download the PointsBet app right now and use promo code CHGO. So what are you waiting for? It's time to elevate your live betting game. Once the game starts, don't just bet. Live your bet life with PointsBet. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants to help, call 1-800-GAMBLER for crisis counseling and referral services. Second break here from our sponsor, Owen, I have to tell you guys about Owen, which stands for only what you need. Owen is a 100% plant-based protein shake that gives you nutrition that works just as hard as you do. All of their products are free of artificial ingredients, allergen-friendly, no gluten, or dairy, and easily digestible. I first heard about Owen a few months ago from Chicago Bears quarterback uh, Justin Fields, who does follow a plant-based diet. Both Justin Fields and I are obviously elite athletes, so I had to try these out myself. I enjoy how they taste. I know when I have a few of these drinks, I'm getting the nutrition I need, and sometimes I just substitute this for a meal. Uh, they taste great. I know I'm getting all the nutrients I might otherwise miss. Um throughout my busy day. Owen and CHGO have partnered up to give you an awesome offer. You can get 20% off your first purchase at liveowen.com with code CHGO20. Join me and Justin Fields to try out Owen, only what you need. All right, Brendan. So want to uh, touch on a few more players on the offensive side here. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, Fran Mil Reyes had himself a nice little weekend, uh, I suppose. On Saturday, 2-4-4 four, four with his, again, 10th homer of the year overall. His first as a Cub, he had two RBIs. And then on Sunday, he's back in there as the DH, one for five, three strikeouts, but he does have a double and, you know, the, the strikeouts are part of his game, right? So yeah. it doesn't, you know, it's not that big a deal. He also really hits the ball hard. I know we're not here to uh, play the exit velocity game, right? Um, if exit velocity were all that mattered, David Bodie would be on track to be a Hall of Famer. <laughs> You're right? never going to let that go, aren't you? Well, no, I guess not. I like David Bodie. I, I just, know you, don't. you know, it's just there was a, a lot of made about his exit velocity. But his velocity. expected Woba, Corey. His right. Yeah. Woba. I'm still expecting it. <laughs> um, but he does hit the ball really hard. And I, I, you know, I know we talked a little bit about the signing when it happened, but I think seeing him have some more success, there was also a really good piece. I don't know if you saw it, Brendan, but from Marquis that Elise Menneker did, uh, kind of focusing on his relationship with Cubs hitting coach I did see uh, that. Johnny yeah. Washington. Very good. And a little bit of Fran Mill talking to Johnny um, and breaking down stuff on the iPad where they have all the video and heat maps and things like that. And then kind of talking with Christopher Morell and going over this stuff. Like there's clearly a level of comfort with uh, Johnny Washington that, you know, from their time in San Diego. And you can really see, I think, the... I, you know, again, it's like one segment, but it seems pretty obvious that Fran Mill is committed to you know, getting back to hitting like himself, right? And what I mean by that is he's had four seasons prior to this in the majors. He had a WRC plus of 111 or above in all of those seasons, right? So this year, whatever was going on before he got to the Cubs, I'm not sure what had his WRC plus, I think in the high 60s, mm-hmm. but that has not been who he has been for a few seasons now. Um, I'm interested. Do we get enough of a look in a month and a half when you have all of the 40-man decisions that we've kind of talked a little bit about to make? Does he get enough of a look and really show you enough to stay on the roster next year? Now, he does have some minor league options, um, I'm not sure, but he's a, he's an interesting player. That type of power, that raw power, is always rather intriguing. It is. Right now, he's making $4.5 million. So going through arbitration for next season, if you want to apply the utmost you know, 
projection. Maybe that goes upwards to six million. Maybe it just stays around five million. But that's what they'll have to commit next season for him to stay on the roster. He does have options, as you pointed out there, Corey. So he has two more options. He can be sent down next year at any point, come back up if they do want to play that game. Uh, to me, he's going to be on the roster at in some capacity, whether it is going through that merry-go-round from AAA. He may not like that. But I think that's kind of what they end up doing. I'm I'm surprised by Fran Mill. I, I I watched him a little bit in Cleveland and with San Diego a few years ago. I gotta say, in my mind, I forgot how big he is. Like he is a massive, massive mm-hmm. person. And you see the exit velo. We saw all those videos about his batting practice. You see against Cincinnati, the opposite field power he saw on Sunday, the ability to turn on the ball for a double down the left field line. You see the bat speed is clearly there, and unlike many players that you watch on any team. So that is really intriguing. For me, it's how often can he slug to make up for his excessive strikeouts? He's one of those guys kind of what you saw from Patrick Wisdom last year, who's going to whiff a ton. So the thinking is, can he hit for enough power, which is what Patrick is doing, to sustain a high level of offense? Recently, that hasn't worked out for whatever reason. The unfortunate reality is that Patrick can play quality defense, although his scores this season for some reason have not been good. But you know he can play quality third base. You've seen him in the outfield. You've seen him at first base. Fran Mill, he's a corner outfield guy, and that's even being kind to his defense. His defensive scores throughout his career rate almost negative 10 for UCR per 150. That's in the bottom fifth percentile of all players in that time span. Do you think if they put you out there, you would rate better than that? In the outfield or in the infield? Yeah, in the outfield. Uh, outfield? I don't think so. In the infield, I'd rate a, I'd rate above average for sure. Oh, I'm sure you would. Yeah, put me at second base. I can yeah, turn it Everybody place listening Nico. to this believes that. I got my A2000 right here, Corey. I can just get going right now. I got good cleats too. I can look okay. it out there. Okay. You did. I was, you know, I didn't mean to derail things that you much. Did. Who was I talking about again? Friends. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, but yeah, I, I'm I'm interested in Fran Mill. The defensive stuff does concern me, uh, but I, I I think it's I don't think anyone expected him to go through waivers like this, Corey. So it is kind of a, a nice fortune that he yeah. landed in the Cubs pocket. When you and you had a a, a Twitter thread or a post about yeah. him using the going to the opposite field a bit yeah, more as well. He's going he's going more oppo this year. I don't know if that's intentional or if that's just like a byproduct of his struggles. But last season he he went to the opposite field. Uh, 20% of the time. This year, it's almost 30%. So that's quite a big uh, increase. If you just go look at the spray charts, you don't even need to see the numbers. You see most of his home runs and extra base hits in 2022 to the right field. Uh, and then last year, it was mostly to the left field. So maybe like Cleveland said, hey, you need to make more contact. And that's contributing to more opposite field uh, base hits. But ultimately, that may have just hurt his overall right. power. So maybe his familiarity with Cubs batting coaches will help him get back to his old days. Yeah, I was going to say, usually it's nice when a guy uses the whole field, goes the opposite way. But if that's something he's doing more this year, I would say, hey, stop doing that. Uh, Pull it, baby. Yeah, and you see guys on this current roster in years past, one being Patrick Wisdom, who most of his power goes to left field. Mm -hmm. Uh, Chris Bryant for many years even despite showing opposite field power in the minors, most of his power was to left field. That's not a bad thing, you know? Like, that's how people produce. Yeah, hey, if you're getting results one way, yeah, yeah, it's definitely an if it ain't broke, don't fix it thing. It's a a personal specific thing. Right. I was also talking, uh, I I, I think an interesting point with Fremo, because as as we look at building the roster next year, right, you know, you look at who's a free agent out there, you look at who are the big fish, if you, you know, expect and hope the Cubs to play in that pool for at least, you know, one or some of those guys, right, Mm -hmm. and to improve this roster, how do they get to be competitive? The, The DH spot in particular is one that is interesting, fascinating, right? Uh, You have a lot of guys who are in-house that could potentially fill that role, but you look at someone like Franmil, and if he can't play the outfield, you know, how much space do you end up having for a guy that's DH only? It's certainly, when the DH was only an American League thing, it's certainly not a novel concept, right? Right. Uh, In fact, it was almost usually the case for a lot of teams that they employed someone who maybe could play first base, right? And probably not very well. Um, but one one thing I was was 
thinking about because a friend of the podcast, who I feel like I mention every time, uh, so I hope Matt Clapp is listening at the blog find on Twitter. We should his podcast one He's day. a great follow. He is. Uh, very smart baseball man. Um, a nice guy, too. He is. And I was talking to him, and one point that he made that's interesting about Franmil, it's not necessarily a reason to keep him on the roster. You know, you have to pay attention to the whole thing. But he's one of those guys. You look at his exit velo numbers. You look at the raw power. He can hit a home run in any condition, right? Any ballpark, if it's windy, Franmil's the guy that can put one through it, right? wind blowing in at Wrigley, you need a run, right? Teeth of the wind. He's a guy that can do it. Now, again, that's not a reason to roster a guy. He's going to have to show that he can kind of lift these overall numbers and improve the peripherals, etc. But it's, it's a particularly like unique level of power that he possesses. And it's intriguing from that perspective. If you're talking about a competitive team, and you need to win close games, you're getting late in the season or in the playoffs, having a guy that you can call upon and be like, look, we're doing nothing today. We need a bomb. We need somebody to run into one. He's that type of guy that, you know, no matter the conditions, no matter the pitcher, he can get into one and put it out. So I, I agree with that. Yeah, it, it's, it, is, it is fascinating. It's just how, how do you mix in, I guess in my mind, if you want to bring back Wilson, right, um, you know he has, he's going to have to play in the DH spot, right? So, what is the cost of bringing back Fran Mill, Wilson, mm-hmm. and some other guys? Does that cost outweigh their value? And the cost you give up is going out and getting someone else mm-hmm. to be more flexible on their roster. I don't know the answer to that. Yeah, I think we'll. We'll have an idea as the season goes along here, but also, Corey, as you're talking about, you know, the ability to come off the bench, which is really valuable. At the same time, like, do you want so many, like, maybe this is kind of hard to conceptualize right now, but do you want so many guys who are not, I guess, staple starting players? Because it feels as if the Cubs have a lot of those guys right now. And I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. And that, but that gives that uncertainty gives me some discomfort. If that yeah. makes sense. Yeah. No, I think that's I think that's very fair. And I, I think having some guys like that, you know, it's it's mm-hmm. always easy to reference how the 2016 Cubs, who won the World Series, World Series were correct. built. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and what they were able to do successfully and how they went about things. You did have a certain number of guys, right? That they were out there every night. Then you had other guys, Javi Baez at the time, Ben Zobrist, of course, who filled whatever role you needed on that particular day, right? So I think that mix is good. And I think where the Cubs are going to find themselves at the end of this year, right? And this is something that we've we've touched on. And certainly with Luke and Cody and Ryan and Jared, we've we've all kind of touched on this idea. They have, I think, really solid depth. How many of those players, I think Luke asked this the other night, and I wasn't really sure. How many of those players are everyday starters? They're going to play, you know, call it 150 plus games at a particular position or one of two positions, right? That I'm not so sure of. But you do have a lot of guys who, when you look at it, you're like, this guy feels like a, a player on a competitive team. You know, maybe it's 300 to 400 plate appearances, playing in different positions, things like that. But they have a lot of those guys. And so do you consolidate some of that to... In trades, perhaps? Right. To 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 bring in other guys? Do you say, hey, we're going to give this guy a look at a particular position and we're going to see if he can be that everyday player? I'm not sure, but I, I do think there's a lot of talent. You have a lot of different skill sets. You know, you, you compare Fran Mill, right? Like big power, too many strikeouts. Can he hit enough to utilize that power? You compare that with someone like Nick Madrigal, right? Who has played better and has that contact tool. Mm-hmm. Both can be valuable depending right. on the scenario, you know? Right. How it's, you put that all together, I'm not sure, but I think Jed and this front office, they, they have a, a pretty vast talent pool to pick from. It's going to be about who who gets those shots, who's part of this roster, and can you add enough to it 
to, you know, can you add that star power to make this a competitive team? I think the path right. is there. It's it's a tricky task, though. You're going to have to make some interesting decisions. You are. It kind of reminds me of our conversations back in 2017. Uh, not on this type of scale where we have more players that may not rate as high as those past Cubs top prospects, mm-hmm. but we talked about where does Javi Bias play? Should Soler play more? Right. Ian Happ is on the roster. Where do you put Ian Happ? Is he at second base? Wilson Contreras, the catcher situation. Like It seems like we've had this conversation before, and I'm reminded, at least for Javi, when he got his opportunity in 2018 to play start every day. That was the first season he had over 600 plate appearances. He almost won the MVP that year. Right. And that was because, unfortunately, the Cubs' infield situation was completely out of flux. Uh, and he just he had to play. The Cubs had no choice. And in right. doing so, he adapted and Flourished, he hit his yeah. potential. So I wonder, like, is the cost of going about this strategy with having so many what-if guys who are talented and are interesting, what are you giving up? Are you giving up someone as Luke was implying earlier, that could flourish, that could be your everyday starter. Right. I don't know about that. Well, and I, you know, you look at this team and you feel like there are some potential guys for that, right? Like a lot of people clamoring for Nelson Velasquez to play every day to see like, can this skill set succeed every day, not just in spot starts and pinch hits and things like that. Christopher Morell has played a lot, but he's not necessarily playing every day, and right? And he's been he's playing, back recently. Yeah, he's playing most days, right? Um, well, he's, you know, he was dealing with that injury, so I'm hoping that it's True. just sort of being safe with that. But Morell in particular feels like a guy, because it's basically what happened this year. It's just not going to end up being literally 162 games. But he feels like a guy next year, if he's able to make adjustments and and you know, continue playing the way he has. Like right now he's got a 116 WRC plus, right? Excuse me, a 120 WRC plus. He's been really good and just kind of thrown out there, right? He feels like a guy next year if you were like, you know what, we're going to sign a shortstop or we're going to sign a third baseman. Christopher Morrell is playing every day at second base or he's playing every day in the outfield. He feels like that guy who can maybe take things to that next level, you know? And you're going to have to weigh, like you said, do we believe in that? And are we confident enough to try it? Or would we be more comfortable with a bunch of guys getting, you know, 300, 400-ish plate appearances and David Ross is going to have to show his managerial chops next year, right? <laughs> exactly. it's, we'll see what they decide to do. Okay, break here from our sponsor, PointsBet. If you enjoy CHGO, one way to help us continue to grow is to download the PointsBet app and use code CHGO when you sign up. Not only will you get two risk-free bets up to $2,000, but if you make a $50 or more first-time deposit, you will receive a free CHGO membership, which unlocks all of our web content, and you'll even get a free shirt of your choice from the CHGO locker. If you have any questions, email pointsbet at allchgo.com and we will help you out. And in case you did miss it, online signup is available in Illinois. You can actually download the PointsBet app right now and register your account from start to finish all from your phone. You'll be signing up with the fastest sports book easier than ever so you can start living your bet life in seconds. So what are you waiting for? Once the game starts, don't just bet. Live your bet life with PointsBet. Gambling problem, call 1-800-522-4700. Yeah, and don't, do make sure uh, if you can sign up at allchgo.com. Our guy Ryan Herrera was out there in Iowa, had some really yeah. great coverage uh, before the game, during the game, after the game. That is the type of content you can expect uh, from CHGO and our guy Ryan Herrera. So do be sure to visit allchgo.com. And, and Ryan up. and I are, are working on some stories, actually. Ooh. You know, we talked today. So not on the pitching side, either on the oh, hitting side. Wow. So a little bit of a different mix up here. So maybe in the next week or two, that Very will Very interesting. Yeah. Uh, so I want to talk about some of these uh, these pitchers just to kind of touch on, uh, we, we've talked about Adrian Sampson. We've talked about Drew Smiley. We kind of know the deal. I think guys like, as we, you know, noted, like guys like that and Wade Miley, if he, he gets back into the, the major league rotation, like they're, they're going to be valuable, uh, for however you want to proceed with Keegan and Justin and just making sure everybody's fresh and you're able to, have quality innings as you go forward here toward the end of the year. Uh, it's always good to have 
as many arms as possible, right, to cover these innings and to to keep things seamless. But the Cubs have it's tryout season, Brendan, in the bullpen, <laughs> right? Like, and we've seen them do this in in several seasons. Like, guys get a tryout in the second half, or when guys get hurt, things like that. And here they are in the bullpen. You know, a couple years later, or they end up getting traded for a significant prospect. Like, it's it's something the Cubs have been very good at. So I want to take a look at a few of these guys that we've been seeing maybe on a more frequent basis. Uh, the first of which is Eric Yeoman who has been pitching out of the bullpen for a little while now. He is 26 years old, and so far on the 2022 season, he pitched in the game on Saturday, two innings, one hit, no runs, no walks, two strikeouts. His season ERA right now is 2.79. The FIP much higher, though, Brendan, significantly higher, near 5, 4.98, suggesting that you know, at least in the data, he's been getting a little bit lucky. Only nine and two-thirds innings, uh, but what do you see from him? Do you think he's one of those guys that over the next month and a half can kind of shore up a role for himself going forward? What are we What are we looking at here with Eric? Yeah, I wouldn't focus on FIP or necessarily ERA. Like, in, in, in interpreting his success, like, course you want him to reduce the number of runs given up and that is ultimately what matters with him i think the most interesting aspect of his game is he has a a really unique secondary pitch a really unique slider and he has a release point to match that slider which is among the lowest in major league baseball so this slider as a result has way more breaking action more so than about at least going into this game by about 80% of the league. And it's on a plane that is very flat due to that low release point. So this means that he has a unique slider that hitters don't often see. It's not as unique as, let's say, a Scott Efros slider because of that release point, but it's unique in terms of just how low he is to the ground when he lets go of that pitch. He's a guy. He's a guy with potential. The way he gets to that successful peak is getting in and commanding those pitches better the walks are a little bit too high right now we did see uh, in one outing that kind of hurt him but if he can command those pitches which is never an easy thing to do for many guys we've been through this before with Dylan Maples for example not to compare Yeoman to Maples are very different Yeoman has much better command but the thinking is if Yeoman is going to have a walk per nine rate of five batters per game as he had in AAA, it's likely not going to work at the big league level. But if he can reduce that walk rate to around four, then yeah, I think it can work at the big league level. And in fact, in thinking kind of in a grandiose fashion, because he has these unique secondary pitches and he has this unique release point, if he can somehow really optimize that command, he could be a late inning reliever guy. That's again in a different universe if everything is perfect but to even have that potential is interesting because you've seen guys like scott efros who the cubs are able to make the most out of and you get back significant value right. at the big league roster currently or in the form of trades so yeoman is a guy he's not quite there yet he has a long way to go but he is interesting yeah, and, you know, the the Cubs do have a lot of guys that you figure to see, especially in September, um, you know, that have been pitching well, even if just for, you know, certain spurts, Cam Sanders, Ben Leeper, you know, yeah. some names that we've heard a good bit about. Like, you figure at some point it's time to give them a shot uh, and, and see what they can of, do. a lot of chatter about Cam, Cam Sanders, Corey. Mm-hmm. So they change, well, you know, maybe going to into it with more detail but he's changed quite a few things and more of like a, a a reliever role so he could be another one of those guys as you said who yeah can try out he come back next season and maybe audition for a significant role I was also very pleased that Rowan Wick was able to get the save on was. Thursday because you and I talked about him. I know. I was worried about that. Yeah. In the series review <laughs> yeah. uh, going into that series, and we've had some bad luck with, you know, hey, let's praise this guy. And, and immediately, boom, you know, we make ourselves look very stupid. But Rowan Wick looks very good. That ERA is back under four. Seventh save on Thursday. He continues to look really good. So certainly someone that figures to be uh, in the high leverage plans for 2023 if he can Mm -hmm. keep that up. Uh, I also wanted to ask you about Sean Newcomb, guy we've seen before that they you know came over from the Braves. Um, 
two innings in the game on Saturday, no hits, no runs, two walks, but he strikes out five guys in two innings of work. Um, he had been a starter at points in his career for the Braves, um, and obviously, you know, got to the point that uh, he ended up with the Cubs, so he had definitely struggled. But there's a lot of talent there. Uh, Obviously, he's a former first-round pick, was picked 15th overall by the Los Angeles Angels in the 2014 draft, and, you know, had some success at the MLB level for the Braves uh, in both a a starting and relief kind of role, but then, you know, obviously derailed uh, at points. But any any interest there? I mean, yeah. anytime you see a guy strike out five guys in two innings, despite the two walks, it's at least something to, I think, be intrigued by, no? I was intrigued by him when we gave up Jesse Chavez back in, in late April. It's acquiring as many unique guys as possible. Not all of them will work out. We've seen that happen in years past where the peripherals look good, but Nukem is one of those guys you can throw into that unique bucket. The curveball has always been there. The spin rate over his career has been in the top percentile of the league. The amount of vertical break he can generate with that curveball is among the best in the league. We're talking like 90th plus percentiles here. Command has not been there. Uh, Injuries have hurt him. Some randomness, I imagine. Some uh, lack of consistency being on the mound probably has hurt him. The thinking is get him out there. Get him into a consistent role maximize that curveball, maximize that natural tall release point, and see what happens. It, you, you can see the talent on display. He's a former top prospect, right? It's just a matter of trying to get an idea of whether he can be a significant or somewhat of a significant bullpen innings eater next season. It is possible, but when you see all the problems pile up over the years, you do have to have that in your back of your mind that the likelihood of that happening is low. So he has to go out there the next seven weeks and really change many people's thinking, and that talent, that stuff suggests it could happen. All right, so a couple things before we preview uh, this upcoming series here. Uh, firstly, I do just want to note uh, that after Sunday, um, I mean, if if you'll allow me, Brendan, I do okay. want to note uh, that Nico Horner, Nico, now with yes. another good game uh, that he had on another Sunday, game, he was correct. three yeah. for five in wow. the game on Sunday. He just continues to hit a 302 sure average, a 773 OPS. Uh, but if you are looking in the National League as of Sunday, right now, as we record this in the late evening, uh, Nico Horner would be the 14th most valuable player in the entire <laughs> National League. Um, that's really yeah. something. Uh, when you look at this list and who is on this list, uh, first of all, really annoying that the top two guys in the National League are both St. Louis Cardinals, Nolan Arenado and Paul Goldschmidt. That's really wonderful and great news for everybody. And then it's, you know, basically just like the entirety of the Braves and the Dodgers who make up the rest of the, the rest of this list, right? A couple Mets, but it's mostly just Braves and Dodgers. Mm. And then Nico Horner. At 3.4 wins above replacement on August 14th, Brendan. Oh, man, Corey. Every, I mean, it's every week now. It's the, the excitement just grows and grows. He's, he's, he's unbelievable. He's good. He's unbelievable. Nico he's Horner just, is good at baseball. He's good. He is baseball. He's just yeah, that good. He is baseball. But, okay. Um, what, one more thing. I got one more oh, thing. Okay. Uh, Alexander Canario just yeah. keeps hitting home runs. And he's at double A. Um, so exactly, you know, what his progression is going to be, how the Cubs decide to continue going about this, we will have to wait and see. But he homered again on Sunday, and his season line, now remember he was promoted, so this is uh, across a couple of levels, but he's now at Double A. That is his 28th homer of wow. the season in 2022. His overall line in 2022 at both levels, a 259 average, a 339 on base, and good for an 892 OPS. He's got 75 RBIs. He's also stolen 70, 17 bases. 70 would be a lot. 
17. 17. This is a a very exciting player, and he's also one of those guys, you know, we talk about power. Like, you watch some of the videos of the homers he hits. Like, we're talking absolute nukes. Oh, my gosh, man. Yeah, he just has that natural, like, back-lifting swing that just looks beautiful to watch. So we'll talk more about, you know, Canario, I'm sure, as the season goes along. And absolutely throughout the offseason but that's that, that that's trade brendan feels i know i know i just I mean, you know yeah. of all of them i mean pca is great i will say that trevor williams has been very good for the mets it doesn't change anything oh, from the perspective of the cubs but he's been very good for them yeah. so good for him um that the kb trade though has the potential to just be an absolute mess for the San Francisco Giants and it's you you need these guys to succeed at the major league level obviously Caleb Killian did not do well in the one start when he came up but he has settled down a bit he had a nice start uh the other day I think it was on Thursday six innings of of quality work on Thursday I think he had six K's and maybe two walks so it was a it was a nice outing yeah on the 11th six innings six hits two runs uh two walks and six K's um, but boy, like you just look at those two players and it's like, okay, all right, Jed. Like at the time, a lot of people didn't know what to make of the return. You know, it wasn't like Joey Bard or something like that, but you watch these guys continue to progress. Like, I, I think that one's going to work out pretty well for our boy, Jed Hoyer. It seems like most of those trades are likely to yield back significant value somehow. Yes. Besides the Kimbrough trade, which is a conversation for a different well, day. Although I mean, Nick yeah, Magical we'll has see. been better recently. He so. has been better. And I, yes. I think, you know, as long as he's able to heal properly, I, w- I really did like what we were able to see from Cody Hoyer when he was out there yeah. last year. So uh, right. assuming everything goes well with his rehab and all of that Hopefully stuff, I, I would expect him to be a significant contributor in this bullpen going forward. Yep. So let's preview this series against the Washington Nationals, a three-game series that begins Monday evening at 6.05 p.m. The Cubs, as of Sunday evening, around 7 p.m. Central, there has been no announced starter for the Cubs, but Gray is pitching for Washington. Gray this season is 7-8 with a 4.81 ERA on Tuesday, same start time, 6.05 p.m. Central. Again, the Cubs have not announced a starter. Uh, Patrick Corbin will be pitching for the Nationals. Wow, his record is 4-16. and I don't think I've ever seen 16 losses for a pitcher uh, There was before. a reason they were trying to attach that I money. Jeez, yeah. man. Okay, 7.02 ERA. And then uh, Wednesday, once the Cubs get there, Rotation figured out. You'll hear about that likely soon, Monday morning. But Abbott will be pitching for the uh, for the Nationals that day. He's 0-2 with the 5.94 ERA. That Wednesday start time is early, 12.05 p.m. Central. That wraps up the Nationals set this season. Cubs did well against the Nationals just last week. A lot of good performances. The thinking is, what does the outfield look like? What does the rotation look like? What do they do with the late inning rules, the Rowan Wick and Yeoman? And what I'm looking for is how they continue to play Nelson Velasquez, who plays first base. Will Patrick Wisdom get more nods at first base? Will Morrell kind of shuttle around third base, second base? A, a lot of features to watch for. And honestly, Corey, I'm, I'm in very intrigued what they do with Madrigal. Uh, he did have an okay series. The bases yeah. are racking up, but you imagine he will be playing and I'm interested in that just because that has implications for what they do with the outfield and Morrell like how often they play Morrell and how they shift around the outfield so I'll be watching for that this series yeah I mean ideally you get both of them in there uh as often as you can and I actually kind of like putting Nick at the top of the order right like this isn't a a playoff team these wins and losses aren't super let's see what you got get into the most plate appearances like all right we need you to hit so here's a bunch of plate appearances right um and you know really beyond that i you know again he he only started and and let off uh one of these games <laughs> what, but why and i mean he only took one at bat and then they got nelson in there just start nelson yeah it makes no right? sense just I don't let nelson that. play if you really don't want him hitting in those matchups like okay but like you, you do have some guys We've talked about the Matt Mervis thing and, and the question of that, you know, and there, Darius Hill is another outfielder who's been doing really well. Um, it's that 40 man, you know? And, and so it is tricky, right? But it just, like, 
Rafael Ortega, you know, was was a, a good find by them. He he did really well, and I think over this last stretch, you know, going back to last year when he really started getting significant playing time, his ability to play well had definitely helped them not be even worse, right? Like he he was a good find, but I like, I like the way you phrase that. Thanks, but um, like, what is the point? And leading him off, let somebody else get the most played appearances yeah, that, that, in the game. Like they like. again, they they pinch hit Velasquez. Uh, so Ortega got two played appearances. He walked, um, and then you know made an out. But like, just let just if you're good, if he has to play, like put him at the bottom of the lineup. Like I just am not sure I see the point um, of both him playing and also leading off. It just doesn't seem to be a worthwhile exercise to me. But I we're I will say though, Brendan, like with some of the things that they've done, we are running out of things to complain about. They've done a pretty good job of cleaning a lot of that up. They have. But it feels nice to complain. So maybe well, that's our bread keep, and butter. Yeah. So maybe yeah. they do need to keep him just so we can complain about something. Right. Things so. can't go too well. Right. Yeah. Gotta have something to be sad about. <laughs> right. Um, but yeah, you know, other than that, I mean, continuing to just, you know, the playing time is interesting. And, um, you know, a lot of these guys, it's, it's going to be... I think worth seeing you're not going to judge everything on the final month and a half but it is going to be pretty important for a lot of these guys to either show something that they have not already you know you think of guys like Madrigal or Zach McKinstry, Fran Mil Reyes as we've talked about and then for so many other guys to just finish on a high note right Seiya Suzuki's had to make a ton of adjustments which is to be expected in his first year he's changed his plate approach a little bit overall the numbers are are still above league average and good but you you know obviously like to see him go into next year playing well and on a little bit of a hot streak Patrick Wisdom has had a good year hopefully he can finish that way and you know of course the maybe you know big exciting guys like Christopher Morell who's just had a fantastic season and if he's able to sort of put that exclamation point on it over this next month and a half great and and yep. really kind of informs what you're looking at next year and of course the, the pitching is all about questions like that so yep. uh, we've we've touched on that but that is what we have for you for Brendan and I uh, on this series review. We appreciate you joining us. Uh, if you are looking for coverage of the national series, I will be filling in for Whoa. Luke Stuckmeyer on Monday. I could Big never, shoes to fill. I could never fill those shoes properly. Will you be bringing reading glasses? I don't have readers. I only have my oh. regular glasses. Okay. I so, forgot you're not as old as yeah, Luke. I, I, I don't, but... Okay. Uh, I will be occupying the Grandpa Stucky chair, so join us for post-game on Monday uh, after the first game with the Nationals, and then, of course, Brendan and I will be back with you on Wednesday to wrap up all three games of that series. We appreciate your support of CHGO and everything going on there. As I, you know, have been reiterating as we barrel towards that season, uh, the CHGO Bears team, we had a couple guys at the preseason game this weekend, a couple guys in studio, just really great coverage, top-notch coverage of all things Chicago Bears, so be sure to check that out if you are getting ready for the Bears season in a few weeks here, and of course, your support for everything CHGO Cubs and all the stuff that we are doing there. We appreciate it very much. It's been very fun, and we will continue to do so. So thank you again for your support and for joining us here today. We will talk to you again soon. And as always, go Cubs.